thing, right? <laughs> it's so <laughs> Mama, I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're good? Okay. The meeting will come to order. This is the November 30th, 2022 Budget and Finance Committee. I'm Supervisor Hillary Ronan, Chair of the Committee. I'm joined by Committee uh, Member Supervisor Chan and will be sh uh, joined shortly by Committee Vice Chair Supervisor Asha Safai. Our clerk is Brent Halipa and I'd like to thank Matthew Ignau from TV for uh, broadcasting this meeting. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcements? Thank you, Madam Chair. Just a friendly reminder for those in attendance in the chamber to uh, please make sure to silence all cell phones and electronic devices. The Board of Supervisors and its committees are now convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. The Board recognizes that equitable public access is essential and will be taking public comment as follows. First, public comment will be taken on each item on the agenda. Those attending in person will be allowed to speak first. Then we will take those uh, who are awaiting on the telephone line. For those watching either channels 26, 28, 78, or 99, and sfgovtv.org. The public com comment call-in number is streaming across the screen. That number is 415-655-0001. Again, that's 415-655-0001. And enter the meeting ID of 2483-370-0407. Then press pound twice. When connected, uh, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you'll be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up uh, to speak along those curtains uh, to your right, and those on the telephone should dial star three to also be added to the speaker line. If you're on your telephone, please remember to turn down your TV and all listening devices you may be using. Each speaker will be allowed up to two minutes to speak unless otherwise stated. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Budget and Finance Committee Clerk, at brent.jalipa at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and also included as part of the official file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall. That's 1, Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, room 244. San Francisco, California, 94102. And finally, Madam Chair, items acted upon today are expected to appear on the Board of Supervisors agenda of December 6th, unless otherwise stated. Thank you. Can you please read item number one? Yes, item number one is a resolution authorizing the general manager of the Public Utilities Commission to enter into a site use agreement with VB Nimbus LLC, uh, a Delaware limited liability company for the installation, operation, maintenance, repair, and replacement of radio equipment at 32322 South Corral Hollow Road in Tracy had an initial annual use fee of 30,000 with annual increases of 3%. Uh, for an initial five-year term commencing January 1st, 2023 through December 21st, 2028 with a four or five-year extension options for the SFPSC Water Enterprise Radio Replacement Project pursuant to the charter affirming the plan 
uh, planning department's determination that the project is categorically exempt from environmental review under CEQA and to authorize the general manager of the PUC to enter into amendments or modifications to the agreement that do not materially increase the obligations or liabilities to the city and are necessary to effectuate the purposes of the agreement or this resolution. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2483-370-0407 and press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. A system prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand. And when the system indicates you have been unmuted, that will be your cue to begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you. And we have Jeremy Spitz here from the PUC. Hi, good morning. Or good afternoon. Good afternoon, Chair Ronan and Supervisor Chan. Thank you very much for hearing this item today. Um, I have a quick slideshow and a quick presentation, but I will be brief. Um, so the resolution before you would authorize the general manager to enter into a site use agreement for the installation, operation, maintenance, repair, and replacement of radio equipment in Tracy as part of the Water Enterprise Radio Replacement Project. The project was approved by the Board of Supervisors in 2017 by resolution 405-17. The project is replacing outdated radio systems with one unified system that will provide radio coverage for SFPUC employees working in the infrastructure from Hetch Hetchy to San Francisco and enhance business and disaster communications. So this map shows the coverage area around the outside outlined in red, and I'll have a zoomed in map a little later on in the presentation to see the site that we're talking about today. Um, so just a little bit more background about the project. It includes installations at 29 radio transceiver and dispatch sites. It will uh, provide voice radio communication coverage across our seven county, 2,400 square mile area of operations. It will also be interoperable with the city's and mutual aid partners standard radio systems and integrated with DEM standard system. Work began in January 2018 and is scheduled to be completed in December 2023. The total project budget is 15 million, which includes eight years of vendor provided maintenance. So the site that we're discussing today is located in Tracy, not too far from the Highway 205 and 5 Junction. If you're ever on your way to Southern California, you might see it. Um, the Corral Hollow site was selected because of its unique ability to provide key radio coverage for water and power operations and maintenance crews, specifically in Tuolumne, San Joaquin, and Alameda counties. The agreement itself includes a five-year term with four or five-year extension options. The rental rate is $30,000 per year with annual increases of 3%, which comports with the State of California Telecommunications Lease Rate Guidelines, which provides that rent for similar telecommunications site leases is approximately $3,000 per month. The Planning Department has determined that the project at this site is categorically exempt from environmental review under CEQA, and the PUC requests that the Budget and Finance Committee recommend this resolution to the full board. I'm joined today by our Chief Information Officer, Jennifer Hopkins, as well as the Project Manager for this project, if you have any questions. Thank you so much. Um, I don't think we have any questions. Really clear. Appreciate that. So let's open this item up for public comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now. Uh, for those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001 with the meeting ID of 2483-370-0407, then pound twice. Uh, once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. Uh, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been admitted, and that will be your signal to begin your comments. 
Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber, uh, Mr. Lamb, kindly uh, unmute our caller, please. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Great, it's David Pilfell. Good afternoon. So on this item, very briefly, good location, good project, good staff work, I support it. Thank you. Mr. Lamb, do we have any more speakers in the queue? Uh, Madam Chair, that completes our uh, queue. Public comment is now closed. I'd like to make a motion to send this item to the full board with positive recommendation. On that motion to forward this resolution to the full board with positive recommendation, Vice Chair Safai, absent. Uh, Member Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have two ayes with Vice Chair Safai absent. That motion passes unanimously with all those present. Can you please read item number two? Yes, item number two is a resolution approving and authorizing the, uh, pardon, authorizing the execution of a First Amendment to the amended and restated loan agreement with Maceo May Apartments, LP, to increase the loan amount by approximately $15 million for a new total amount not to exceed approximately $39.2 million to finance additional construction costs and loss of permanent financing related to the 100% affordable 105-unit multifamily rental housing development plus one staff unit for low and moderate income veteran households located at 55th Kravitz Street, formerly 401 Avenue of the Palms on Treasure Island, also known as the Maceo Project, and adopting findings that the First Amendment to the amended and restated loan agreement is consistent with the general plan and the eight priority policies of the planning code. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2483-370-0407. Then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. A system problem will indicate that you have raised your hand and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, has your cue to begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you so much and good afternoon, Mr. Beck. Nice to see you. Thank you. Good afternoon, uh, Chair Ronan and Supervisor Chan. Um, I'm Bob Beck, Director with the Treasure Island Development Authority, uh, the city agency responsible for all of the redevelopment activities on Treasure Island and Yerba Buena Island. I'm joined today with, by Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development Senior Project Manager Cindy Heavens to present on a loan request for an additional gap loan of $14,983,000 for a total loan of $39,238,000 for the construction of Maceo May Apartments, a project of Chinatown Community Development Center and Swords to Plowshares. Uh, before we get to the specific request, I wanted to provide an update on tr Treasure Island activities. Uh, the Treasure Island program is intended to revitalize the former Naval Station Treasure Island. Uh, when completed, the project will deliver 8,000 new homes, 27.2% of which will be affordable, 300 acres of open space, up to 500 hotel rooms, up to a half a million square feet of commercial uh, retail and, and office space, intended to be neighborhood serving for the community on the island, as well as new utility infrastructure, um, geotechnical improvement of the man-made island, uh, Treasure Island, and sea level rise adaptations. Um, infrastructure work began on uh, Yerba Buena Island and Treasure Island in 2016 with the demolition of former Navy structures. A new electrical switchyard and new water reservoirs have been completed and put into service. A new ferry pier is complete and ferry service began to Treasure Island in March of this year. In the first two subphase areas, 
uh, new infrastructure, including roadways uh, with pave pavement, uh, striping, signage, uh, and underground utilities are substantially incomplete and being expected by the Department of Public Works to document completion and bring uh, that infrastructure to the Board of Supervisors for acceptance. In the third subphase area, which includes the balance of the first major phase, um, is undergoing geotechnical soil improvements prior to the construction of new infrastructure. Uh, the, the PUC also is expected to award a contract this spring to construct a new wastewater treatment plant on the island. Um, there are also a number of roadway projects being developed, delivered by the County Transportation Authority. Uh, the westbound freeway ramps were completed in 2016. The I-80 Southgate interchange is nearly complete and expected to be opened in the next couple of months and the West Side Bridges Improvement Project is expected to begin construction this spring. Um, in some, some updates on our residential development progress. Uh, the Bristol, uh, our first market rate building on Yerba Buena Island, received its temporary certificate of occupancy in May of this year, and residents began moving in in June. This building includes 14 uh, inclusionary affordable units uh, three of which are in the process of being purchased by current residents of the island, uh, utilizing benefits provided under the island's transition housing plan. Uh, the Maceo May Apartments, uh, which we're here to talk about today, uh, is uh, our first 100% affordable housing uh, development on the island and began construction in May of 2020. Uh, this project is expected to be, receive its temporary certificate of occupancy from DBI in January of this year with move-ins beginning in February. Starview Court uh, closed its loan in May of 2022 and began construction in June. Uh, we were here in April uh, in relationship to the financing of that project and um, that will be our second 100% affordable site um, and the second to begin construction on, on Treasure Island. Uh, for all of, of our 100% affordable sites, uh, TIDA retains title to the land and provides a ground lease to the owner of the affordable development. In addition, there have been um, five additional residential starts in 2022. Uh, by the, and by the end of 2024, we anticipate that approximately 982 new market rate and affordable units will uh, be uh, online and, and ready for occupancy. Uh, of these units, 30% uh, are affordable or inclusionary affordable units. 68% uh, of this number will be for rental units and the other 32% will be for sale. If additional uh, units expected to come online, in 2025 and 2026. Uh, before I hand this over to Cindy, uh, I wanted to let you uh, confirm that TIDA supports this request for additional funding uh, to C Chinatown CDC and SWORDS, uh, and TIDA will be putting uh, in a million dollars uh, as part of the request as one of the city sources in the overall uh, gap loan. Uh, we are committed to fulfilling uh, the affordable housing vision for Treasure Island and have a particular interest in the first five affordable sites that provide uh, transition housing opportunities for current residents of the island. With that, I'll hand it over to Cindy. 
Thank you, Bob, and good afternoon, Supervisor Ronan and Supervisor Safai and Supervisor Chan. So MoCD on behalf of TIDA is requesting and the resolution before you is a loan requesting an additional $14,983,000 to the existing loan to finance storm damaged units from the October 2021 atmospheric rainstorm and the delays caused while repairing the units. With the increased amount, the loan is now 39.3 million. And as Bob said, Maceo May is the first affordable housing development and residential development to begin construction on Treasure Island. A little bit about Maceo May. Next slide. Maceo May is a six-story development containing 104 affordable units to veterans and formerly homeless veterans and one on-site staff unit. 65%, 65 of the units, not 65%, will be occupied by veteran households who are currently homeless. All of these units will have a project-based veterans affordable a veteran a VASH operating subsidy and will be filled by the referrals from the Department of Veteran Affairs. 39 of the units will be occupied with residents currently living on Treasure Island in units operated by Swords to Plowshares. And Swords to Plowshares is one of the general partners in the partnership that owns the property. 33 of these 39 units will be occupied by veterans currently living on the island in roommate situations and have been waiting for years to occupy Maceo May. The six remaining units of the 39, Swords is currently working to have those units slated for occupancy because the temporary certificate of occupancy is expected to be received on January 31st, 2023. The and the financial history of Maceo May is that the board approved the original loan totaling $24,255,000 in January of 2022. 2020. The mayor executed the loan on January 28, 2020. MoCD and the borrower closed the construction financing in April of 2020. And that was, um, and specifically it was April 28th, 41 days after the shelter in place working from home began. And construction began in May of 2020. Next slide. So the resolution before you is about increasing the existing loan and the new loan amount of $39.2 million, which is approximately $373,000 per unit in city subsidy, is and does exceed what is in the MoCD pipeline currently by $112,000. And while this unit subsidy is significant, the request being made before you is to do two things. First, pay off the general contractor in order to not incur any mechanics liens against the development and not delay the project any further. And two, your approval allows the Silicon Valley Bank, the construction lender, to continue to re-underwrite the loan. The reason for these two steps is because, as I said, in October 2021, the completed units were damaged by an atmospheric storm. The total cost to repair the storm damaged units and financing costs related to the six and a half months construction delay while the units were being repaired is 35.8 million. 
At the time that the atmospheric river storm hit, Maceo May's four-layer roof system was in the process of being installed, but only one and a half layers were completed at the time of the storm. There was also three areas in the building, two stacks of corridors and a stack of units, living, living rooms and living units that were in the process of being framed on site. Despite the particularly complete permanent roof, various temporary protection measures, including but not limited to plastic cladding on the scaffold, existing tarping on the roof and three framed areas, and round-the-clock staffing to manually remove water from the roof during the rainstorm, almost all areas of the building sustained with those um, temporary measures severe water, severe damage from the high volume of water during the high winds that occurred with the storm. Let's see. If approved, and after execution of the loan by the mayor, approximately five million of the dispersed um, money will, in February, through the billing process, the sponsor will use the funds to pay off the construction contract to prevent liens being held against the property, and another two to three million will be for other construction-related consultants and paid through the billing process. I want to also say that the sponsors have already submitted $20 million in insurance request or uh, insurance payments to ask the insurance company to pay. They have received $16 million of that. They can ask for more, but the way the process happens is that they have to do the work before they can ask for more money. So while what is in the loan is 28.5, that is a conservative estimate, and the sponsors will continue to seek the full amount of the damage. And so the loan is being bifurcated into paying off some for the contractor in February and then holding back 7.75 to cover the cost due to financing. And MoCD has reviewed the BLA report and we agreed to amend the resolution to provide a lever or memo by May 1 regarding the financial loan amount and any actions MoCD has taken to mitigate development risk identified in this project. And MoCD, along with TIDA and One Treasure Island Project, and as you can see, several veterans are here. And um, marketing on the project began on Veterans Day, and we'd like to thank you for your consideration today. Thank you. Uh, let's hear from the budget and legislative analyst, and then we'll take questions. Thank you. Uh, Nick Menard from the budget legislative analyst office. Item two is a resolution approving an amendment to um, the city's agreement with Maceo May Apartments LP. It increases the amended and restated loan agreement that was approved by the board previously to increase the amount um, by $14.98 million. And that will go to uh, backfill um, lost financing as a result of the project delays, as well as cover um, new construction costs that won't be, that are not covered by insurance. The agreement also would forgive a $1 million bridge loan that um, the existing loan agreement uh, has, is being repaid to the city. 
we showed the budget um, of this of the total project on page five of our report. You can see that total costs have gone up by $35.8 million, um, and the, there's been a loss of financing sources by, of about $9.4 million. So the insurance proceeds plus the city's uh, loan increase in the loan here um, would cover those costs and loss of funding. The, loan, uh, the new loan amount is primarily funded by 2019 general obligation bonds. As was mentioned, we do have a recommendation here um, to amend the resolution to request a report from MOHCD by May 2023, which is the expected uh, completion of this project or thereabouts, um, regarding the final loan amount um, and also any steps that the department is, take, um, has, is taking or has learned from this uh, event and how they're gonna apply uh, those lessons going forward to manage these kind of risks. And otherwise, we recommend approval of the resolution. Thank you. Colleagues, any questions? Supervisor Safai? Yes, thank you. Um, first and foremost, want to say thank you to all the folks that came out today, particularly those that are veterans and, and those that are in specific need of affordable housing right now. This is such a scarce commodity. I want to thank uh, Chinatown CDC and, and uh, Swords to Plowshares for making this a priority uh, right now. This is, there's such dramatic need for this and it's so important. I do wanna say um, that I am, it's disappointing to hear what happened with the storm. It's disappointing to hear that there weren't other measures put in place to um, anticipate, uh, but I think it's better that we have that conversation once everything is resolved. Um, I know that there's back and forth with the insurance companies and um, Mayor's Office of Housing is in constant communication uh, with them along with the Chinatown CDC. So we wanna let that process to go forward, uh, but we do want to have you all come back and have a, a conversation about lessons learned and things that we can do better so that we're preserving this much needed affordable housing money and that we're not overspending when, when we don't need to. Um, so I am fully in support of the, uh, the proposal by the BLA to amend the resolution and ask that there be a report uh, by MOHCD. Although I would like not just a report from MOHCD, I would like uh, Chinatown CDC to come back um, and talk to this committee and give us an update uh, because I think it's important. If not for the circumstances that we're under today, I'd rather have a fuller conversation on the record so that we can understand um, the specific um, situation as it relates to modular housing construction. Um, but I'm not going to say any more than that. Uh, thank you, Chair. Thank you, Supervisor Safai. Supervisor Chen. Thank you, Chair Ronan. I concur with uh, Vice Chair Safai's sentiments on this, um, particularly um, also in accordance with the BLA report. It's really uh, asking uh, you to report back what lessons we learn from this project. Um, I think that not just particular this project, but just you know moving forward in order for the city to continue to invest its funds uh, for similar type of um, project, be it on Treasure Island or anywhere else. And I think especially that it is, I believe that with the conversation that we've been having around housing, it is the intention of this board to continue to invest public dollars um, and to, to continue to build more of these types of housing. So how can we do better in the long run and be sustainable and build a sustainable model for us to do so? And it's reason why I concur with the sentiment that this report is actually critical 
for us. Uh, I am in support of, of amending this uh, loan contract today um, and also to uh, incorporate the BLA's recommendations so that we can continue this conversation. Uh, but I do look forward to seeing this, that for the occupancy to continue to move forward in January because it's really critical, especially it's it's uh, it's really cold out there, <laughs> and it will be good to see people moving in and be warm and be you know kept healthy and safe in their in their own home. So um, I look forward to seeing this uh, in com to be completed. Thank you, Chair Wonan. Thank you so much, and I I uh, absolutely concur with both both Supervisors uh, Chan and Safai, uh, and I also wanted to thank everyone who took the time to come out today and to join us on this hearing. It shows uh, the level of importance of this particular property and of housing, affordable housing, especially for veterans um, that there is. Thank you so much uh, for your service. Thank you so much for um, you know, giving so much to your country and the least that, that, that uh, this board can do is assure that you have the housing that you so richly deserve. So I just really wanted to recognize you all and, and appreciate your presence here today. Uh, I agree that I would love to have this conversation, uh, a deeper conversation about uh, what happened here and modular housing in the future. Um, but for today, I think it's now appropriate to open up this item for public comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person and wish to provide comment, uh, you can line up uh, to your right along the curtains. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2483-370-0407 and press pound twice. <coughs> Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and that will be your signal to begin your comments. I'll start your time as soon as you start speaking. Good afternoon. Good day. My name is Jeff Farber. I'm a former Marine, combat, vet, combat veteran, and after earning my MSW in clinical social work from USC, I now work as a clinical program manager with Swords to Plowshares, as you may know, STP. We are honored to be here, and thank you for your time. I realize that this meeting is centered around funding, specifically as it relates to the excuse me, Maceo May project. However, before we discuss funding, I'd like to focus on our veterans. Here in San Francisco, we have a diverse and resilient veteran population, many of whom are dealing with complex conditions such as physical disabilities, mental illness, and addiction. Due to these issues and more, our veterans are struggling. Our veterans are struggling to survive. On a daily basis, they are subject to violent crime, food insecurity, and homelessness. This is not okay. SDP has been working hard to correct this reality. As you may or may not know, we serve 3,000 veterans every year. Per our 2021 impact report, we were able to place 550 veterans into supportive housing and over 250 veterans and their families into permanent housing. Moreover, we secured VA healthcare and disability compensation, totaling 18.5 million for over 470 veterans. We are pleased to also have found employment for 100 plus veterans within the San Francisco Bay Area. Now that I have reviewed some of our challenges and successes, we can return to our main topic, that is funding for the Maceo May project. By funding the project, STP and our community partners will be able to increase housing capacity, 
and provide our veterans with in-house and off-site support, including, but not limited to, case management, medical and psychiatric care, and employment services within San Francisco. I know that we are asking for a lot of money. However, do Thank not you, view it as a one-time payout. Thanks so much for your comments. Um, sorry to cut anybody off, but we are timing each speaker at two minutes. Gotcha. But thank you, Jeff Harbour, yep. for your comments. Thank you for your time. Next speaker, please. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you for the opportunity to speak before the Board of Supervisors. I urge your support for the additional loan for homeless and homeless veterans. With voters passing Prop C for Oversight Commission, that should implement finding housing within 90 days attainable. That alone would require more units in the near and foreseeable future. Let me explain. Swords to Plowshares, HUD, and the Veterans Administrations are great advocates, advocates for housing, among, amongst other things. However, there are people that were not fighting for veterans and delayed housing. How is it that a former honorable discharge Marine, a Northeastern University criminal justice alumni with 25 years of invest, investigation, investigation experience, having worked with public health, city, county, state, and federal law enforcement, take over 28 months to find resources for housing? The answer is the overutilization of one system. And using MailChimp, Survey Gizmo, and Survey Monkey, by just a few people who are using for their own personal and political ambitions. To delay work by others fighting and advocating for veterans. I, we, ask for your collaboration and efforts in approving the loan. I'm Chris Workline and thank you. Thank you, Chris Workline, for your comments. Next speaker, please. Good morning. Uh, my name is Nicholas Rusinoff, Veterans Affairs Commission for San Francisco. Uh, for the past four years, I've been volunteering in the Veterans Justice Court uh, for peer support. Uh, I came to the city uh, homeless after I lost my home in 2008. Uh, I lost my family after I came home sick. Uh, this city gave me a home. This city gave me hope, and this city gave me life. Uh, I am very proud to be in Supervisor Dorsey's district. I want to tell you that I'm a very lucky recipient of the BMR program. I was able to attain housing in the city. I got my degree in the city. I was married in the city. This city is a welcome for veterans in San Francisco. I understand the need to get a fuller and deeper conversation, but I also have to bring to attention that people are dying. People are dying on our streets. People are dying from overdoses. People are dying from fentanyl. And we have to do more, and we have to do it faster. So I ask city leaders to please consider taking on this responsibility as we have nowhere else to go. This is the best city in the world. I love San Francisco. I love what you guys do for us. I'm very grateful to be part of this city. I'm very grateful to be welcomed to the city. And I really hope that this city becomes a home for veterans in the future. Thank you very much for your time and for your consideration. Thank you, Commissioner Rusnow, for your comments. Next speaker, please. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is James Hammond, um, United States Air Force veteran, security specialist. Um, I'm also a transplant. I'm originally from South Carolina. I came here by way of Atlanta, Georgia. 
I'm currently in film school. Uh, I came here for a project. After the project was done, caught COVID. Uh, it kind of turned my world upside down a little bit, but it also introduced me to Swords of Plowshares and Safe Haven, which got me into housing or temporary housing until I could get HUD VASH or any other type of assistance. Um, that was in July, like about the end of July. So we're like four, four months in now. So I'm still in school, I'm about to enroll in the CWT program, and I'm currently awaiting the chance to get a place on Treasure Island. That is, if everything goes as planned with this 14.8 million. So I urge you as one of the people that are looking to be there to please reconsider and just make everything, I just pray that everything goes and happens as smoothly as possible. I thank you and all the other veterans here, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, James Henry, for your comments. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, Supervisor Ronan, Supervisor Safi, and Supervisor Chan. My name is Regina Record, and I'm a veteran. I took the day off work today to come down to let you know that I'm supporting this project to go forward. And um, to um, let you know that, yeah, Swords to Plowshares has done a lot to help me improve the quality of my life and be able to, you know, have a job. And I would love to see uh, that happen for other people, too. Thank you. Thank you, Regina Ricker, for your comments. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, folks. My name is Samuel Bivens. I'm going to be really brief. The value of programs like Source to Plowshares. This retired municipal railway, 21-year veteran from driving, uh, left California. Well, first of all, 1994, substance abuse problems. Source picked me up, recovered. Ten years later, left California, went to Louisiana. Katrina hit, came back to my favorite city again. Source picked me up. I've been living at the at the Presidio now for the last 15 years, and they've taken care of me. I'm 81 years old, have a wonderful home, and there's nothing that I could say that shows the value of what Source to Plowshares has done to make life easy for vets and being a, a, a private supported organization needs all the help that we can get from our officials. So having, and we do have to support our veterans. I, I'm sad whenever I see our friends on the streets trying to find a way, and a home is anybody who needs a place to recover, having a roof over your head, food in your stomach, and an opportunity is all anybody's asking for. So we give our time and we ask you to consider this program for all of us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Samuel Bivens, for your comments. Next speaker, please. Honor to the soldier and sailor everywhere who bra bravely bears his country's cause, Abraham Lincoln. We are the who of what is happening today. I live at the Edward Lee Apartments, thanks to Swords to Plowshares. I am a 
successful representation. I was homeless, and I have a home. I'm grateful. Please, please do everything you can to continue to give us homes, security, safety, well-being. We are deserving. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for your comments. Next speaker, please. Happy holidays, first of all. My name is Alfonso Newton. Growing in San Francisco has been tough, and um, I took a bite out of crime. The Labor Commissioner knows who I am. Good action. And when I was homeless, short plowshares took care of me, and their staff is great. We have to keep good action in the city because it is a beautiful city. And uh, thank you all. Happy holidays to you as well, Alfonso Newton. Next speaker, please. Hello, good morning, supervisors. Oh, good afternoon. My name is Errol Wisham. I'm a termed out member of the well, seat number 12 on the board of mental health with, with Helena Brooks and uh, Secretary Lloyd Prophet. I was a consumer advocate on the board. And speaking of mental illness, I want to speak up for the people with mental illness who are who are veterans. We are very sick people. We want to be like other people, but we can't. And we desperately need housing and, and supportive services from source to plowshares in the VA. Uh, I want to thank you for your time and thank you for your consideration. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for your comments. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon. My name is Eric. I'm from the Swords to Plowshares at the Presidio. After eight years of hard luck and homelessness, I found Swords. They took me in, and it's been a, a wonderful success story ever since because of that. Uh, I've been able to return to research and writing that I enjoy. I've currently written three books since being with Swords, and I plan to have one of them published early next year, hopefully by spring. In the meanwhile, while uh, doing a little preparation for today, I came across something called a Fountain House in New York. I don't know if you are familiar with it or not. If you are not, I recommend that you guys look into the Fountain House in New York. It's been very helpful, helpful to a lot of people who have mental illness and are living on the streets. Just wanted to share that with you. Thank you. Thank you, Eric, for your comments. Next speaker, please. My name is Mark Amart. I am native San Franciscan. I live at the Presidio with Swords to Plowshares, and I want to thank you for all you've done in the past for veterans and look towards your continued support for this uh, loan. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for your comments. Next speaker, please. Hello, my name is Randall Larson. I'm an Army veteran. And I've been working with Swords to Plowshares now for about eight years. It's a marvelous organization, and they've helped me a lot. I want you to approve this financing and help them because I know they'll help other veterans. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Next speaker, please. 
Good afternoon, committee members. Uh, my name is Tremecia Garner. I'm the Chief Operating Officer and Housing Director at Swords to Plowshares. I had like a whole thing of notes of what I was gonna say, but I think you know the veterans who've come before have said it best, and I just ask that you continue to support the Maceo May Project and really see it as 104 new homes for veterans and not just funding. So thank you for your time, and on behalf of the agency, we definitely appreciate the support of TIDA and MoCD and our partners, Chinatown Community Development. Thank you. Thank you, Tremisia Garner, for your comments. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Joel Champion. I'm a previously homeless vet. Um, Source of Plowshares housed me in 2022, or not 2022, excuse me, 2002, 20 years and four months ago, and at Treasure Island in the old Halibut Court housing project over there. Um, at that time, it was in need of being replaced <laughs> in 2002. Uh, this new building is amazing. It's really going to be a, a great opportunity for veterans. I want to thank you for your support of this uh, increase in funding. Thanks. Thank you, Joel Champion, for your comments. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon. My name is Kenyon Wingo. I'm the peer specialist at Swords to Plowshares. Uh, Veterans Academy Presidio. I just want to say to the board to definitely approve this. The last thing a veteran should have to worry about is where he lay his head. So I would like to ask all of y'all to please, San Francisco is known for helping veterans, and let's continue that tradition. So please do this. Thank you. Thank you, Kenyon Wendell, for your comments. And before I call the next speaker, I am uh, calling last call. For, uh, for public speakers here in the chamber uh, before we go to our telephonic line. Uh, please line up along the curtains if you wish to uh, provide uh, testimony on this item. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, my name is James Taylor. Um, I live at Treasure Island. Um, April 21st, 2017, I came to um, Treasure Island and when I came to Treasure Island, um, I, I, I basically, I didn't know how to do nothing. I didn't, I didn't know how to wash clothes. I didn't know how to wash dishes. Um, and the only thing I knew how to do was cook and, 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 and talk crap. That's the only thing I knew how to do. And, and since, I, since I've been here in Treasure Island, it's been going on six years, uh, um, I've accomplished a lot of things due, due to this, uh, um, due, due to Swords of Plowshare. Um, I, I said when I first came, I was scared. I was afraid. I didn't think I was going to make it. I'm an ex-crackhead. I used to um, weigh uh, like 100 pounds. Um, I, I didn't think I was gonna make it like a month in, in, the, in, the, in the program, and, and now it's going on six years. And um, um, if you asked me six years ago where my life would be at, I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually say I'd be in, in the courtroom at uh, uh, one more building at, a, at a, uh, whatever, whatever this is called right here. Uh, I thought I'd be in a doorway, cracked out, losing my mind. So I just want to say, uh, I think I think I thank God for this uh, for this process right here because without this process I don't know where I'll be right now. Thank you. Oh, and and you guys have Treasure Island has some of the best staff, right? We have a new we have a new manager and she they they just do it inside it through inside like and, and she's been doing a great job and um, we got a couple other people that's in our building that's they're, they're they're great they're great people and, and they help us out a lot and well, they help me out a lot so I just put it like that I can't speak for nobody else but uh. That's what I thank you. Thanks so much, James Taylor, for your comments. 
Seeing no further speakers here in the chamber, um, Mr. Lamb, can you unmute our first of three callers? Hello, all. Uh, this is Ikram Mansouri, uh, President of the Veterans Affairs Commission and also COO of Veteran Tech. Um, it, in the spirit of the holidays, um, happy holidays, and I do want to say that I am grateful and thankful for the Board of Supervisors for all of your work that you've been doing in terms of anything veteran-related, all the push. Um, we see it. We have been um, ahead of the game, and we, we will continue to support you in terms of veterans, um, and I do want to extend this. This project will support veterans and in turn will also support military families as well. Um, I'm grateful for our military spouses and families. Um, in addition to that, Source to Plowshare has been instrumental in placing and supporting and housing veterans. And so, uh, so far we've, we've done, uh, and this is all the work in the reactive space, like shelter is essential. This community is extremely innovative, um, can be contributing to the, uh, the, the, the community in no time. So shelter is essential. It's basic needs. The sooner we get them into permanent housing and other forms of housing, the sooner these members can support the community in many ways. And again, I am grateful for all of you and happy holidays. Thanks so much, Commissioner Mansouri, for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Good afternoon, uh, supervisors, committee members. My name is Alex Landsberg, Research and Advocacy Director for the San Francisco Electrical Construction Industry. I want to proceed my comments by noting uh, or by, in fact, agreeing with many of the folks who uh, who were uh, speaking to you already in urging support for, uh, for, uh, for this resolution, funding this pro project, and making sure that this can be completed and we can get uh, homeless veterans off the streets. But as, as we do that, I want to underscore a few points. First of all, this project should have been completed months ago. And the reason it hasn't been completed is because of the city's uh, decision to experiment with, with substandard factory-built construction. Here's a, here's a couple of facts that I think a lot of uh, a lot of folks in the audience are probably unaware of. This funding request is about four to five times the total amount sent to Factory OS for the project, at least according to some price sheets that I had seen from uh, from 2019. Um, the promised paper savings from outsourcing and offshoring this work to San Francisco was supposed to be 3.6 million dollars. Here we are, months behind schedule, and tens of millions of dollars over budget. Um, also, the memo that, has, that was provided to you by MoCD does not mention all of the building code violations that were uncovered because of the water damage uh, due to uh, improper site management. The fact is, if you or any of the folks in the audience go to honestbuilderscoalition.org, um, and, and follow the Maceo uh, May tab, what you'll find is documented evidence of significant building code violations, plumbing, electrical, uh, uh, HVAC, uh, framing issues, all within this project. So in some, in some ways, we really need to be thankful that the general contractor did such a poor site, of, uh, poor channel site management. Again, sorry to cut anybody off, but thank you, Alex Landsberg, for your comments, but we are timing each speaker at two minutes. Uh, Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. 
Hi, I'm Larry Mazzola. I'm the business manager of Local 38 Plumbers and Pipefitters Union in San Francisco. Uh, on this item, I want to say first and foremost that I think it's awesome that we are building affordable housing for veterans. It's vitally important, and we need to do more of it in San Francisco. So I applaud uh, the Board of Supervisors uh, for, for everything they're doing and the, and the title board on this issue. Um, but at the same time, what a disaster, okay? Um, we are wasting money that could have gone to build more housing units for homeless vets. By reaching out in the city doing business with an entity like Factory OS, who is obviously inept in what they're doing because every job they've touched has been a complete debacle, um, who in their right mind leaves units out in the rain to get mold and mildew, and it's just, I can't wrap my head around why a city would do business with a factory that has no clue what they're doing. That's construction 101. You either have the roof on or you make sure it's covered so this doesn't happen. And guess what? Now it's gonna cost taxpayers 15 more million dollars when they could have done it conventionally in the first place. And, and, and another thing about that is, you know, why, why are we building cheaper housing that isn't up to codes and has mold and mildewed in it for homeless veterans? Are they not as important as the rest of us? It makes no sense to me. I think the city should rethink its whole plan on this modular issue. Everybody wants to think cheaper is better, but it's not all the time because you get what you pay for. Thank you. Thank you, Larry Mazzola, for your comments. Mr. Lamb. Uh, Madam Chair, uh, that uh, completes our telephonic queue. Public comment is now closed. I would like to uh, make a motion to amend this item as suggested by the budget and legislative analyst. On that motion to amend the resolution to include the BLA recommendation, uh, Vice Chair Safai. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes. That motion passes unanimously. And I'd like to send the amended motion to, I mean, the amended item to the full board with positive recommendation. On that motion to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation as amended, Vice Chair Safai. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes. That motion passes unanimously. Thank you, everyone. Mr. Kirk, can you please read item number three? Yes, Madam Chair. <clears throat> item three is a resolution retroactively authorizing the Department of Public Health to accept and expand a grant in the amount of approximately 87.6 thousand from the California State Water Resources Control Board Division of Water Quality Bench Safety Program to participate in a program entitled Public Beach Safety Program Grant for the period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2025. Members of the public are joining us remotely and wish to comment. Please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2483-370-0407 and press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. A system prompt will indicate that you raised your hand and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, there will be a cue to begin your comments. Thank you so much. And I believe June Weintraub is here or in um, online. <laughs> to uh, present on this item. Thank you. Thank you, supervisors. Um, 
It's good to be here for this very small, relatively budget item that we're seeking approval on. This is uh, for beach monitoring. Um, it's a collaborative effort that we have with the PUC to do monitoring of 17 um, ocean and bayside locations that we sample weekly. We analyze them for bacteria and then um, we post the beaches and do public notification in the event that there's any harmful um, levels detected. So this um, grant is from the State Water Resources Board and it will cover the DPH, most of DPH's costs to support this program for the next three years. And I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you. I don't think there's any questions. Relatively straightforward. Can we open this item up for public comment? Thank you, Madam Chair. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. The meeting ID is 2483-370-0407. Then press pound twice. You will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. And if you're already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and has your signal to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber. And Madam Chair, we have no speakers in the queue. Public comment is now closed. I'd like to make a motion to send this item to the full board with positive recommendation. On that motion to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Safai. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes. That motion passes unanimously. Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number four? Yes, item number four is a resolution approving amendment number one to the agreement between Richmond Area Multi-Services Incorporated and the Department of Public Health to provide behavioral health peer services to increase the agreement by approximately 19.2 million for an amount not to exceed approximately 29.1 million to extend the term by three and one half years for a total agreement term of July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2026, and to authorize DPH to enter into any amendments or modifications to the contract prior to its final execution by all parties that do not materially increase the obligations or liabilities to the city and are necessary to effectuate the purposes of the contract or this resolution. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment, please call 415-655-0001 with the meeting ID of 2483-370-0407 and press pound twice. Uh, you will need to press star three to enter the speaker line and a prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand when the system indicates you have been admitted as your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you. And we have Michelle Ruggles from DPH Chair to present. Good afternoon, Chair Ronan and Supervisor Safai and Chan. Thank you very much for bringing, allowing us to come today and be on this calendar. So Richmond Area Multi-Services, which I'm just gonna reference as RAMS, is a long-standing, financially stable, and high-performing DPH provider of behavioral health services. Today, as uh, was mentioned, we're requesting approval of an amendment to one of their contracts. And that is what we also refer to as the peer-to-peer -peer services programming contract. Peer-to-peer -peer support services or client-driven services are an integral part of a wellness and recovery-oriented mental health system. And in fact, is, represents one of the state's mandated programming categories in order to receive Mental Health Services Act funding, which you probably are familiar with by the acronym MHSA. These are state funds that were enacted into state law in 2005 by taxing millionaires, a 1% tax. So the funding comes to all the counties, we're one of them. 
and they, the state determines the funding categories and administers the fund. So yesterday, the full board approved the fiscal year 22-23 MHSA annual update, which actually highlighted this section, peer-to-peer -peer service component, and RAMS, and partially covered in this contract, is essentially our hub provider of these services for DPH. So the proposed amendment today for RAMS is actually the implementation of the MHSA annual update that was just approved. This contract is 74% state funding, of which most of that is MHSA funding. 16% is federal grant funding, and 10% is city general fund. The um, additional requested funding just represents annual funding for each of the four and a half additional years. The, um, let me check this carefully before I came. Uh, the financial, this is a very financially stable agency. In fiscal year 21-22, the citywide fiscal and compliance monitoring um, team, which is a project or is a process initiated by the controller's office, conducted their assessment for fiscal year 21-22 and there was no findings. And then additionally at DPH, we review the audited financial statements for nonprofit contractors. So we looked this over from fiscal year 14-15 through 2021 and they're rated at low risk. They're financially stable with cash reserves that meet the best practice standards and they have, um, so they meet all the requirements and they're low risk. On the performance side, the, we do performance monitoring annually. There's four components to the performance monitoring, but specifically to the performance objectives. They met all of the requirements in the year that was monitored, except one objective and one of the programs. The units of service and deliverables is another one of the categories. And so they, there was a range um, mostly they met, but this was hard during COVID because programs closed, sites closed. They were very innovative, however, in doing um, virtual groups online. So, um, and then they completed all their client satisfaction surveys. The, um, I think that Supervisor Safai had some questions with the director Ronan, uh, Ronan, Director Cunnins of Behavioral Health Services. I'll leave that to my colleagues to speak more, but some of the types of objectives are like, um, as, a, as just an example, like in a peer internship program, they monitor and measure if the intern, excuse me, if the interns completed or graduated from the training program, and then they follow up after the graduation and see if that training has helped reduce stuff, um, stress levels for peers that are now in, in employment, like fully employed. If you have other questions um, specific to measurables, um, somewhere in here, my colleagues are Performance on the line. standards, who is on the line? I believe that there is Jessica Brown, who's the um, director overseeing this, and Tracy Helton, who's the director of MHSA. Yeah, maybe we can hear from Jessica and Tracy. I, I did have a good conversation with Director Cunnins and um, 
fully aware that the state requires this type of, or says peer certification or peer related, peer to peer. So very supportive of that. I think it's an important piece of it. Wanted to really fully understand how it integrates into Mental Health SF and as been noted here, the MH MHSA contract that we heard at Public Services was fully approved by the board. So I, I understand that. But I was wanting to hear from either maybe Jessica or Tracy a little bit more about how the outcomes are measured in this peer-based program and how some of the patients or clients' lives are being improved and how this all kind of integrates into the overall strategy for Mental Health SF. They're on there. I'll, maybe just while they're waiting and just... Are they there, Mr. Clerk? Uh, to the Vice Chair, I do see uh, Tracy Hilton is currently on. Okay. Yes. Hello, so um, good afternoon, supervisors. I, I am Tracy Hilton. I am the peer programs manager, and this is one of my contracts. I also am a peer myself. Uh, and one of the things that I noticed about the prior presentation was that some of the peer specialists who had testified for swords to plowshares had actually gone through the RAMS um, peer certificate program. So that's just one example of how these peer services have filtered out into the greater behavioral health system. Uh, so RAMS is one of our peer providers. We actually have some other peer providers, but as part of MHSA, it is in the state legislation that a percentage of our employees are, are focused on what are called peers, which are people with lived experience of, of mental health challenges and also their family members. And so RAMS provides um, what we call uh, complementary services to our uh, in our clinics in our in our behavioral health clinics doing things like taking patients to appointments taking patients on the bus showing them how to go pick up their medications um, making phone calls to people helping people with um, you know various uh, quality of life issues that aren't something that the clinician who might be assigned to that particular case may have the bandwidth to be able to do in addition to that just by sharing sort of their um, individual experience. Like for example, I was uh, homeless in San Francisco myself uh, 30 years ago and have a, a lived experience of you know, substance abuse and mental health issues. And by sharing our particular experience and our experience with the clinic system and sort of the things that are going on, we then can help people move towards what MHSA um, identifies as wellness and recovery. And so we have various ways of measuring that, everything from you know, our just regular outcomes, how many patients are showing up or how many clients are showing up. Or we do focus groups, we do surveys with clients, we do um, surveys actually with the staff to try to measure what we can do to sort of improve um, their experience, what kind of trainings they need. We then talk to the supervisors who work with these, uh, these individuals in our system to find out how they can support them and what are the, you know, the training needs that are necessary to work in the behavioral health field. And so this is actually expanded out to where now we have peers working everywhere from, you know, helping clients get from PES to appointments to moving from various stations, um, from outpatient treatment, from down, stepping down from our full service partnerships to outpatient treatment. Uh, you know, we and it's and it's penetrated through our behavioral health system. Great. Um, and and then in terms of how you tra actually track your patients, and 
monitor their success or the clients, how are you monitoring their success? What are the ways that that's done through this? I understand that, you know, from the information that was provided, you had a certain number of people that were unduplicated and the services they provided, but what is more of the long-term tracking and monitoring for individual uh, clients or patients that are served through this contract? So it would, it sort of depends on which, which particular um, section of the of programming we're talking about, but we, you know, some of our clients who have sort of longer term behavioral health issues have a longer term relationship. So one of the core sets of folks that Rams works with is people who live in our board and care facilities. So they attend the peer wellness center, which is located down the street. Um, from City Hall, and so they may have a longer-term relationship. So there's, there's, you know, exit surveys. There's quality of life sort of surveys. Um, you know, as seeing if people have improved through the service. In addition to that, uh, there's knowledge of what community health programs are available for counselors. There's getting client, you know, different different forms of client feedback, and then we have, uh, you know, our individual program managers who go out. And talk to the client. I mean, I do every year I do a uh, sort of a meet and greet with clients where they have an opportunity to provide feedback about what kind of things that they would like to see in our in our system of care and what kind of service provision. And then in addition, with the Mental Health Services Act, we have uh, an extensive community programming planning process where the, the folks who participate in these peer programs are a big part of that. Is there a centralized or is there a database system in your system that's funded through this that says this particular, you know, wellness in the streets or whole person care or outpatient peer counseling, like, are they tracking the people as they come in, recorded in the system and monitoring the services and how well they're doing and progressing with this type of service? I would have to get back to you as to what our evaluation, what specific data our evaluation team um, gathers around individual tracking of outcomes. That's something I don't have right in front of me. I mean, so that's that just, and again, this is, this is not directed at you, um, Ms. Hilton, but overall, one of the biggest things that I have had a problem with is the size of the contracts that we hand out. You know, we get the information that it says DPH estimates that RAMS annually serves 1,172 unduplicated clients we're getting this money on an annual basis or biannual, however often it comes in, and we serve these clients, we serve these patients. Um, I've gone to one of your wellness centers that's operated by HealthRight 360. I've seen a number of the different programs that you're running, and my, my biggest concern is, you know, we wanna make things low barrier, we wanna make people feel comfortable as they participate in these programs, but how are we measuring success? How are we following the individual to ensure? And what I often get is the response that I got here, which is, you know, we don't necessarily do that in that form. We don't have a centralized system. Everything is disparate. We can't track across the system whether or not they're receiving mental health over here and recovery and addiction treatment over there. I mean, am, am I wrong? Chair, I mean, and it's it's millions and millions of dollars. I, that's frankly what the uh, Office of Coordinated Care is supposed to do, but I don't know that it does that yet. That's what you're shooting for. That's always 
been that's th the that, goal that that's written into the legislation right and so again that's why i bring it up when we have these opportunities you know i guess i would say so who's that's is that dr cunnins that's her job to implement that um, I mean, to the chair well she's the director of mental health SF right. and the behavioral health system um the director of the office of coordinated care Ms. Ruggles, Heather, I think it's Heather White-Spran. I think I just mispronounced her last name. And Max Rocha is also he's high the, up there. He's <laughs> the director of the adult. Um, he's the director of the system of care, so behave, the adult, older adult, and children, youth, and family. Mm -hmm. Who is usually who I talk to. So the fact that we don't even know who the... I just don't know how to pronounce... I'm like... No, no, Chagrined, I can't pronounce her, her last name, but yeah, Heather. <laughs> yeah, we don't know her, and that's a problem. And she's getting staffed up, and that's, you know, thanks for all the pushing and helping moving along, hiring. That section is getting underway, and well, we I'm, just hired the director of managed so I, care. I just try to use these opportunities as these large contracts come in to kind of reemphasize the point that this is been something that's been extremely missing in the delivery system. And I think RAMS is a great program. I appreciate Ms. Ms. Hilton, your, your response here today um, and your own lived and personal experience. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, but I also am concerned of the things that I said. And, and so, I, I mean, if we're not tracking and not able to monitor and not able to, you know, ensure that we're monitoring success. I just, it just feels like we're doing a lot of the same um, and getting a lot of the same outcome. I mean, this is, and then again, this is not meant to uh, denigrate or diminish the service that Rams is providing, but I don't know. I don't know, Chair. I mean, maybe it would be helpful to have a separate yeah. hearing in this I, committee and bring, let me just, I don't know what you think, but maybe ask Dr. Kunitz come in, the Office of Coordinated Care to come in to talk about all the different funding sources and programs and contracts and and measure their progress. I mean, it, let's do that in a public setting because um, I feel a little frustrated that we're constantly being asked to approve these large contracts and we're not making the progress. And it feels like part of that is because this is the way we've done it. This is the way we feel comfortable we feel comfortable providing this work with these service providers. We feel like we're making some progress and we can always bring forward models of success, but yet there's all these holes in the system still. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was just gonna say, I, I agree with you and I frankly have been pushing for so long and, and so hard. Trying and, to give you some backup. I'm exhausted. I can tell, <laughs> I can tell by the expression um, but I on don't your face. I don't think, I don't think that, that that Rams is the issue. That no, the issue no, no, is no, no, no. It's not about Rams. The I, I, structure I said that. of of, DP, of DPH implementing the law that was unanimously passed and 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 sponsored also by the mayor, and that Absolutely. implementation has been snail's pace. Has so maybe been, we can hear from the mayor's been, director. Has been hampered by the pandemic, and um, you know I, I still don't as much as I have asked and asked and asked for you know, um, and have monthly briefings with Director Cunnins, it never has felt and still does not feel today like a There's system yeah. that functions well. But that's, 
that uh, that's separate from the contract right this, this is separate and I've, I've made I, I would like to hear a little maybe an update from the mayor's budget director good afternoon Supervisor Safi I'm happy to answer questions can you I mean basically the, the question is what she just stated I mean we have this, this office of coordinated care we have this goal of mental health SF we have all these disparate contracts Again, for the record, this is not a criticism of Rams. I think we're all fully behind supporting this peer-based model. Okay, so that's not, we've transitioned now to this larger question. And I feel like one of the ways in which we often can assert our oversight and authority is then to begin to talk about like, well, we're gonna start holding everything else up until we get a better model of delivery for the whole city. Because I, I don't feel comfortable constantly approving these things piecemeal that then don't have the overall impact that we're trying to do. And guess what? This should be a major, major priority based on the conditions of what we see out on the streets, based on the conditions of the need of people that are in mental health crisis in this city. And I can see the expression on my colleague's face. She's exhausted. She's frustrated. She's been trying to push, and it's not for saying that you all aren't trying, but we need, we need, I don't feel the urgency, personally. And so when I saw this today, I said, well, what are we doing? What's the measure of success? Where are the peer, where's the coordination? Where's the tracking? Where's the monitor? Like, all the stuff that we've wanted. So I just want to hear maybe an update from you. Um, sure, Supervisor. I don't have an update for you today that I think will no, satisfy no, the answers yeah, to all those no. questions. So I would also recommend we have a more holistic conversation about how all of these things fit together and whether yes. we should be considering a change in the system of bringing these large contracts through Budget and Finance Committee the way the Department of Public Health has always done. I, I agree. It can feel disconnected from the conversations we're having about the future, the progress of Mental Health SF. So all I can say today is that this is also absolutely the mayor's priorities to see that we implement serious mental health reform, that we help people on the streets, that we're doing all the things that are outlined in that, but where we are and how we can use this budget process or other processes to actually drive those goals forward is something I think we'll need to come back to. It does, I just, be honest, it doesn't feel like a priority. I'm just being honest. So, and I'm not saying that the mayor doesn't care about it. I'm not trying to denigrate in that way, but it, it doesn't feel like a priority. And I'm, I'm trying to be as objective, as fair as I can be based on the circumstances and the size of these contracts. So I don't want to waste any more of your time, Ms. Ruggles, but I, I would say it might be helpful to have a larger conversation, Chair. Um, maybe we can, you know, and, and to your point, that's a good point. Like maybe look at the overall way in which we're doing all of these disparate contracts because um, we, we had a goal. A goal obviously was stunted in some ways by COVID, but we, we have to move beyond that as an excuse now. And we have to really, I, I, we have to really double down and think about how we're doing it. So anyway, that's, that, that, that would be my point. Uh, I'll just chime in here because I, do this all the time uh, to say that we would have that hearing and Director Cunnins would come up and she would talk about the four different parts of mental health SF and what she's doing for each part 
how they're connected and who we're hiring and who's taking a long time to hire and what's happening and it still will not feel like a system that works. So I, I, I honestly, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I, I don't know where the visionary leadership is because I, it is not felt. It's not felt by this board. It's not felt by our residents. It's not felt by our patients. It's not felt on the streets. Um, you know, I, th this administration constantly comes up with new sexy press releases about their new program instead of, you know, sticking with the goal. I've said this ad nauseum. I've said this so many times at the Board of Supervisors every time this comes up. Um, but I know we're going to have a new press release in a few weeks that's a new program. You know, I mean, it's just the, the, the debacle with the Tenderloin Center. I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly schizophrenic, no pun intended, uh, in this administration in terms of trying to create a system that works. Now, I've gone and visited, you know, uh, recently Psych Emergency Services, which is on diversion most of the time because... The emergency department is on diversion, sure. not because there isn't space at psych emergency services, because they're requiring that there's a COVID clearance before anyone gets to psych emergency services. So I'm telling you, when you start to like scratch a little bit of this, you're going to hear a lot of talk and nothing's going to feel different. And you're going to try to fix one little thing to make something a little bit better. And it's like, it's... I. I I'm at my wit's end. I don't, I honestly, Nikita Saini and I, we work on this every week and the two of us look at each other like, I don't know what to do anymore. Um, we've tried to do everything in our power to fix this system and there just isn't the will or the capability in this administration to do it. I, that's honestly how I feel. Um, and, and you'll hear a lot of talk though. You will hear a lot of talk in a lot of details that'll confuse you too. Have, it's have, always have we, meant to we, confuse. Have we had that conversation on the record recently? I, I, do you know how many hearings I've held no, no, on no, this no. issue? I, I, no, I, I know you have, <laughs> I, I know you have, I know you have, but one was recently, no. no. Not recently, no, we can have another one, but I, I, I just have so little faith that no, it'll I, lead I to it. any meaningful change. I will also, you know, um, just say that there are absolutely zero plans to implement or open the Mental Health SF Service Center. The Behavioral Health Center at 1380 Howard, which is like the not Mental Health SF Center that's supposed to sort of be the interim, there's not even a sign out front. You would have no idea that it served. If you were mentally ill and needed services, you would have no idea that there's this center at 1380 Howard. It looks like a, a random building that nobody knows it exists. Um, you know, it's not the the 24-hour full-service emergency center that Mental Health SF demanded we created years ago. <laughs> um, there's no not, not even plans. The uh, um, um, uh, what do you call it? Crisis diversion. <laughs> Crisis diversion. We have a we have a 13-bed, I think, or 20-bed door urgent care. That's full all the time. Psych emergency services, that's on diversion all the time. Where 
is the street emergency team, which you know supposedly is now taking 77, we just got the, 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 the report, 77% of the calls. What happens with those calls? We have no way. Their monthly, I look at their monthly uh, update and I laugh. I'm like, oh, now they're taking 77% of the calls. Who knows what else happens? We get, a we get every month uh, the demographic of the people they served, where they, whether it was a 911 call or on site. We get information about whether or not the Office of Coordinated Care followed up. But you have no idea what happens then. And if you ask the office, we don't even know who the head of the Office of Coordinated Care is. If you ask, they'll send Max Rocha. Max, I, I mean, they just talk but it doesn't work you know and 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 if you and if you ask people the other thing that's that's frustrating is if you ask the doctors at psych emergency services they'll tell you the system's working better than it's ever worked before that mental health SF has had a huge impact and I'm like wow you don't feel that in any way shape or form on the streets can't feel it at all. So I, I literally don't know what to do anymore. Oh, but this, the psych emergency, or the, the crisis diversion center, two years before we can even think about if it perfectly meet the schedule, it will open in two years. No plans for the mental health service center. So I, you know, I, all I can say is I don't know what to do anymore. Well, um, I didn't know I was going to get that response, but I, I, I look <laughs> into everything. I, I follow down everything. I visit everything. I have no. meetings about everything. And well, I can't answer, obviously, all of that. I do want to just say as like just person on the street, I've worked in the same building, South of Market, 25 years. I live in the city. I wa in fact, I called Street Crisis and they came right away from my house, but so I walk outside and I see the same people in trauma that you do, but at 1380 Howard where I do work upstairs, every morning for 25 years, even when I was working during COVID, I get coffee at the cafe and that cafe is a training program. It's a vocational training program. I have met so many people as they graduate, they go to Starbucks, they go to Trader Joe's, I'm not a clinician, but, so, but I, that I can see. <coughs> this program, peer programming, I can see it working. Mm -hmm. I don't think if you didn't have the MHSA program and the peer certificate training program, you wouldn't be able to have a peer sitting on the street crisis response team or the SORT program as the peer member because they probably wouldn't have that trained expertise. And that's been over years. And, that's mental health SF. So there is some, no, so I'm not gonna, like, I just wanna say though, I see it and I know this program works. But, but yeah, but, that, but the, the frustrating thing, we have so Got many it. amazing yes. programs and th that I do not argue with you in the slightest. I mean, uh, the program you mentioned, almost all of RAM's programs are extraordinary and they are changing lives every single day. So this is not a, um, a criticism of the programs. Right. What Mental Health SF was supposed to do, and has failed to do, it's not working, was take all of these disparate programs that do not work in any sort of coordinated system so that 
so that you could actually answer the questions that Supervisor Safai asked. And instead of telling individual success stories, of which there are thousands, you could say, this is how the system works. If a person needs, you know, and here's the other thing they'll ask. Well, how, do, how does someone enter the system if they need it? Well, we're trying to create where there's any entry is possible. So by saying like, you could enter through any mechanism, it's like it doesn't, they don't answer the question, but they'll tell you that they want there to be no barrier to enter entrance. But instead of saying like, you know, we know that General Hospital is the only trauma, level one trauma center in the area. So everyone knows if you get into a car accident or you're hit by, uh, you know, on your bike and hit by a car, everyone knows you will be sent to General Hospital and receive the best care in the Bay Area. I, that's what the mental health assessment center is supposed to be. The, the, the center is supposed to be if you have suicidal ideation, if you're having a crisis, if your loved one is on the street and you finally found them again, you know immediately to go to the Mental Health SF Service Center and that's how you get linked into a system and they can tell you this is what happens next and this and then this will be the case manager and then they'll be involved in this outpatient program. Like that was what Mental Health SF, you can read the legislation, it still reads beautifully, <laughs> you know, all these years later. Uh, Ann Pearson wrote it with me. You know, it, it reads beautifully, but it is not even close to being implemented, and every time you ask for a plan for it to be implemented, you hear a lot of words, and you cannot, you don't, you feel no confidence that it's actually gonna turn into a system that functions. So we continue to have, you know, dozens of amazing individual programs, like the ones we're gonna support today, that are gonna continue to do their amazing work, but do not have a system of care with, within which to work that, that is making lasting change on the streets. I would just say one thing that would be helpful because I, what I hear and what you're saying today is that a lot of this work has been done by you and your staff alone, um, as it should be because you were leading on it. Uh, it might be helpful um, to get an update, even if that update is frustrating for you, <laughs> Um, so that we can see what some of the other pieces are that, you know, that we can, other folks can help with. Sure, sure, I, yeah, sure. Well, why don't we have Dr. Kunins come in? It's so, it's so funny because I was meeting our soon-to-be new colleague uh, the other day, mm -hmm. uh, Joel Lingardio, and I said, I can't, you know, he's very interested in, in mental illness and substance use, and I was like, I'm so excited you're coming in with a fresh pair of eyes because... I can't, I can't see the path anymore. So I, I need new eyes on this. I, right. I am, I am. That's the only thing I can say in response to that is just like we did on Prop G, work together. It might be helpful to have them come in and maybe we'll hear some things and make some suggestions. I know that folks in DPH want to do it. I also know that sometimes bureaucracies that are so large take a lot longer to change uh, then they might even, then some of the individuals might want to. And, but I know that we do have the authority here at the budget committee, um, and we do have budget authority to work with and direct and approve how things are funded. And so I think that there might need to be some additional pressure put to bear. I welcome it. Yeah. I, anyone should take a lead. No, no, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to lead. I want to work with you. <laughs> I'm not trying to take it over. <laughs> 
Supervisor Mandelman has tried. We just look at each other every day like. <laughs> anyway, from on that depressing note, let's open this up well, to Supervisor public. Chan had oh, I'm sorry, Supervisor Chan. Thank you, Chair Ronan, and thank you for expressing your frustration today. And um, I know that we're probably going to go to the BLA report. Um, it's actually also what I wanted to point out is that um, I, I think that the Rams of contract, I, I don't have specific questions about this particular contract, but I think that generally speaking overall for all these DPH contracts, that they're either large amount and providing very critical services. And especially during the last uh, two years that we know that the Department of Public Health has expended um, its odd, like, you know, audit, uh, and some of them resulted into in-person audit, uh, suspended in-person audit and resulted in desk audit. And I think that this is a critical space where I think with Supervisors Ronan's leadership coming in to trying to reform mental health SF, I think part of it, the conversation that, you know, as we continue this conversation, what I really would like to see is to make sure that we loop in someone like the BLA, the budget and legislative analyst, that, you know, in conversation about really with the fresh eye, like Supervisor Ronan have said, to look at the fiscal and performance monitoring and really the audit. Particularly if we're, which I believe that DPH is gonna resume or it has already resumed in-person audit, is that what are we auditing? How do we you know, evaluate these performances? And when these information come to the budget and legislative analysts, can we provide some threshold and standards, including deliveries that, or deliverables that allow we have an objective and independent um, office that can help verify to really help DPH to say uh, whether you're making progress or not and be able to facilitate that conversation with Supervisor Ronan's office and to say, what is it that we're trying to see? And, and in a separate conversation, not specifically on mental health SF, but rele relevant to it because we had this conversation in at this with this body at budget committee with Dr. Kennis is that, you know, we talked about fentanyl uh, death reduction and the success and how much money we're spending on it. And then as a result, you know, we talked about wellness center and, and some of the strategy between whether it's a centralized space or is it breaking down into neighborhoods. Again, are we okay? Are we satisfied? Do we think it's a perform, it, it actually is a performance threshold when we say we're reducing death by 15% in the year, by the year of 2025. How much money are we spending with that reduction of 15%? I think those are the questions that this body, along with hopefully with the help and support from the budget and legislative analysts, can really determine you know, are we actually most efficient with the dollar that's be, being spent? Are we most efficient with the existing models, whichever it is? Um, you know, and I, I do also want to add a note that, you know, um, I don't I agree with Supervisor uh, Ronan, Chair Ronan's that it's mental health SF is not working. I actually think that mental health SF as a concept and how you written it up, if actually like being having some cooperation, perhaps like we can actually truly measure the performance of the program. And so it is that therefore, I understand the frustration and, and disappointment to have set out this vision and yet not being having the backup 
to, to deliver. Um, it's just unfortunate, which I hope with budget and legislative analysts to help us to analyze and bridging that gap. Um, thank you, and thank you, Chair Ronan, and thank you so much for always like working on this and not giving up and, uh, and, and willing to commit. Thank you. Thank you, colleagues, and I'm, I'm honestly, you know, usually a very optimistic, can-do person. Um, I have to say that we don't manage the department, and I have never seen, even though the mayor co-sponsored the legislation and it passed unanimously by this board, I have never seen a full dedication by either DPH leadership or the mayor's office to implementing it. And that's what's missing. I don't think the VLA can do anything about it. I don't think I can do about anything about it. I don't think we can do anything about it unless and until the mayor of the city and county of San Francisco makes it a priority. And it has not been a priority. And it has not been a priority, as you can uh, just look at the press releases. They're cre they create new programs, and it's not TPH's fault. They have to implement what their boss wants them to implement. And there's always a distraction. Hillary Cunnins was, Dr. Hillary Cunnins was hired to direct Mental Health SF years after the law went into effect. And the minute she was hired, she spent all her time implementing a tenderloin center that was open for six months, cost millions of dollars, and then closed down with no plan really in place for what to do next. That took a year away from her implementing Mental Health SF. I'm just being honest. So I, as much as I appreciate both of your questions and desires to do well, until we get a true commitment to implementing a vision to reform a system that is under the management of control of the executive branch, I think there is very little this board can do. We can have hearing after hearing, and we can have that audit after audit, and we can, I mean, I've had the budget and legislative analysts do a ton of reports. I can give them all to you. Um, and I am just convinced at this point that we do not have the power to fully implement this law. Room 200 does, and it's never been a priority. And with that, I will ask the budget and legislative analysts to report on this item. Thank you, uh, Chair Ronan. Uh, so this item four is a resolution approving a contract amendment um, with, uh, between, on an existing contract between TPH and Richmond Area Multiservices Incorporated. There's an existing contract that ends this month. Um, and so this amendment would extend the agreement uh, through June 2026 and then increase the not to exceed amount to $29 million. We showed the budget um, on page 13 of our report and, you know, when we evaluate a contract, what we look at is whether the contract er, is delivering the contracted units of service. We look at their financial condition. Um, we look at the process integrity um, around the procurement. And we look at the budget to see if it's reasonable. So on all those factors, we didn't see any red flags. And on that basis, we're recommending approval. Thank you. And now we'll open this item up for public comment. Thank you, Chair Rona. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. 
Enter the meeting ID of 2483-370-0407, then press pound twice. He will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that'll be your queue to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber. Um, Mr. Lamb, uh, unmute our caller, please. So, Mr. Budget Analyst and City Attorney, I would like you all to pay attention. I agree with the Chair of the Budget, one million percent, that the Mayor's Office has failed us miserably because the controller's office has failed us miserably. And I'm looking forward to the new attorney for the Northern California to audit the controller's office. Because the mayor's office and the controller's office is pussyfooting, and this must stop. I've been involved with mental issues or the wellness, behavioral health, for over 40 years. And it's a shame that we taxpayers have to endure so much nonsense on our streets. And the budget analyst and the city attorney just rubber stamping when y'all have every right to bring the right type of empirical data to the, or give an orientation to the supervisors which is the legislative branch, which has failed us too. So now we just have the legislative branch and the executive branch. We used to have the city administrator's office, which is just to be independent. It now comes under the mayor. So the mayor does as she pleases. So I'm fed up. I listened to this whole meeting. I didn't speak up. I bit my tongue. But I'm telling you, the city attorney and the budget analyst, y'all are wasting your time being over there. Y'all need to do a thorough, thorough investigation on this millions of dollars spent. Urban Alchemy, for example. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Francisco Costa, for your comments. Um, Mr. Lim, uh, Madam Chair, that completes our queue. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. I would like to make a motion to send this item to the full board with positive recommendation. On that motion to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes. That motion passes unanimously. Thank you, Ms. Ruckles. <laughs> Sorry we put you through that. Uh, Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number five? Yes, item number five is a resolution approving the acceptance of five million of general fund grant funds from the state of California for the planning, design, and construction of physical improvements and enhancements to the Japantown uh, Peace Plaza at the Buchanan Center Mall, making certain certifications required to receive the funds, authorizing public works and other city departments to expend such funds for this project for the project period of October 20. 
2022 through March 2026 and affirming the planning department's determination under CEQA. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2483-370-0407, and press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. A prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, has your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you, and we have Trent Teeger, I think, online to speak about this item. Hello, good afternoon, uh, supervisors. Thanks for having me on here. Uh, my name is Trent Tiger, project manager at San Francisco Public Works. Uh, as mentioned, this is a resolution to accept and expend $5 million administrated by the, <coughs> excuse me, the California Natural Resources Agency, uh, CNRA. And so this budget is going to be used for the Japantown Cannon Mall project. Uh, it's part of the cultural heart of the San Francisco's Japantown and is a project that was recommended through the JHS, the Japantown Cultural Heritage and Economic Sustainability Strategy, that was a mouthful, uh, which was a collaboration between the planning department, OEWD, and the Japantown community. Uh, overall, the project is going to imp implement improvements at the Buchanan Mall uh, through enhancing accessibility of the mall. Uh, currently, there's a number of tripping hazards uh, that have been just identified uh, as difficult for our seniors and those with disabilities and limited mobility. Uh, there's also several uh, Ruth Asawa fountains that we are going to repair uh, and get functioning again, uh, as well as working with the business community to help support the cultural authenticity and enhancing the commercial edges of the mall. Uh, obviously, through the pandemic, a lot of these restaurants and uh, shops started with the outdoor seating. And so we wanna make sure that we help continue their uh, economic success, success through these uh, difficult times. Uh, some of the works that we're planning on doing is repaving the sidewalks, uh, planting more trees, uh, installing landscaping and culturally relevant plants. Um, and then also uh, implementing new, uh, new energy and water efficient technologies to light the plaza and maintain the fountains. Uh, thank you everybody. Thank you so much. Any questions? None? Uh, we can now open this item up for public comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2483-370-07. Oh, sorry, 0407. <laughs> then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and as your signal to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber and Madam Chair, we have no speakers in the queue. Public comment is now closed. I'd like to make a motion to send this item to the full board with positive recommendation. On that motion to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes. That motion passes unanimously. Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number six? Yes, item number six is a resolution retroactively authorizing the Department of Public Works to accept and expend an earmark grant of approximately 163.5 thousand from the uh, Federal Highway Administration 2018 earmark repurposing final approved list to fund the construction of the slope 
infrastructure improvements project for a term of September 16th, 2021 through December 1st, 2023, and authorizing Public Works to execute all required documents for the project and affirming Planning Department's determination under CEQA. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment, please call 415-655-0001 and enter the meeting ID of 2483-370-0407 and press pound twice. He will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. A prompt will indicate that you've raised your hand and when the system indicates you have been admitted as your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you. And I believe Victoria Chan is online to present. Good afternoon, supervisors. This is Victoria Chan with Capital Finance at San Francisco Public Works. Before you today is a resolution to accept and expend $163,513 in repurposed federal earmark funds for the Sloat Infrastructure Improvements Project. This project will restore and improve pedestrian accessibility infrastructure, including construction of ADA accessible curb ramps, detectable service, surface tiles, and various sidewalk and localized roadway improvements at the intersections of Slope Boulevard and 45th and 46th Avenues. Um, providing some brief historical context on the funding source, in 2006, Public Works was granted authority by the Board of Supervisors to accept, accept and expend $990,000 of federal earmark funds for the 19th Avenue Streetscape Improvements Project, which primarily consisted of median improvements, including planting and greening efforts. Um, and this $163,000 or so was savings from that 19th Avenue project. And we were repurposing these in 2018, obligating them late last year in September, after we identified the scope of work, these improvements on Slope Boulevard to meet FHWA's strict eligibility and timeline requirements to spend the funds. We respectfully request your support for the slow infrastructure improvements project will improve and extend pedestrian access to major destinations and roadways, including Great Highway, Ocean Beach, and the San Francisco Zoo. Happy to take any questions. Thank you. I don't think there's any questions, so we'll open this up, item up for public comment. Yes, members of the public wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2483-370-0407 and press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. For those ready in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been muted and as your signal to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber, uh, Mr. Lamb, kindly uh, unmute our caller. Hello, caller, we hear you. Great. Great, David Pilpel, um, if I could get a 30 second warning, that would be great. I'll speed through my comments. The resolution refers to three different projects on 19th Avenue, Great Highway, and Slope Boulevard. The Great Highway project is a subject of an EIR that has not been certified and is not final. If this is part of the Great Highway project, which is not yet cleared under CEQA, how does this get approved? The MTC form on page 19 of the packet describes part of phase two of that project, the Great Highway Project, but it gets cut off in the description. The CEQA document starting on page 27 has no case number and is buried on the city planning website and hard to find. It is described as 
on page 35 as a note to file. The project itself is not on the DPW website. Nothing here demonstrates that this work has independent utility. The description refers to traffic changes due to closure of Great Highway south of Sloat, a decision that has not been made at this time. The proposed scope of work suggests that this is entirely dependent on closing Great Highway south of Sloat. The cumulative impact of this project, new traffic signals at Skyline and Sloat and Skyline and Great Highway, and the West Side Transportation Projects described at the Land Use and Transportation Committee meeting on Monday should be studied. I question what interdepartmental coordination and public outreach has occurred here. There's also a streetlight issue on slope between 45th and 46th that someone should fix. Please address my points and questions and direct me to the best staff person to contact on this. If Victoria Chan is the person to start with, I will start with her. Thanks for listening and please, please address my points. I hope that was clear. Thanks. Mr. Lamb, are there any more speakers in the queue? Madam Chair, that completes our queue. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Um, Mr. Pelpel, I do suggest you, you uh, contact Victoria Chan. And with that, if there's no other comments, I will make a motion to send this item to the full board with positive recommendation. On that motion to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation. Vice Chair Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes. That motion passes unanimously. And can you please read item number seven? Yes, item number seven is a resolution retroactively authorizing the Department of Public Works to accept and expand, uh, expend approximately 1.3 million from the California Department of Transportation's Clean California Local Enhancement Program for the construction of improvements and enhancements on the state highway system in support of the Potrero Gateway Streetscape Improvement Project to commence August 2022 through March 2026, approving and authorizing Public Works to enter into a cooperative agreement with Caltrans regarding project construction and implementation and affirming the Planning Department's determination under CEQA. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2483-370-0407 and press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. Your prompt will indicate that you've raised your hand and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, that's your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you, and Mr. Tiger is here to present on this item as well. Uh, thank you, Supervisor. Back again so soon. Uh, so, so this is the resolution to accept and expend roughly $1.3 million of the Clean California Local Enhancement Funds administrated by the by Caltrans. Uh, as mentioned, this is part of the Potrero Gateway Streetscape Improvements Project. Uh, it seeks to revitalize and reconnect <clears throat> the Potrero Hill neighborhood separated by the US 101. Uh, we're planning to create a gateway experience connecting the two neighborhoods and providing a safer passageway under the freeway overpass along 17th Street. Uh, portions of the project are on the San Francisco's Vision Zero High Injury Network. Um, and this project will improve pedestrian, bicyclist, and motorist safety by providing safer, accessible, widened sidewalks, uh, pedestrian corner bulb outs, and a new protected bicycle lane. The space will also be improved with uh, new planting of new trees and landscaping using local native varieties to better support the local ecology, and the addition of new public artwork, fencing, retaining walls, soil stabilization, and more pedestrian lighting. Uh, please let me know if you have any questions. Thank you. 
Thank you. Uh, does not look like there's any questions. Open, I'll open this up uh, to public comment. Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2483-370-0407 and press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. Please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and as your signal to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber. And Madam Chair, we have no speakers in the queue. Public comment is now closed. I'd like to make a motion to send this item to the full board with positive recommendation. On that motion to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Safai. Safai, I member Chan. Chan, I. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, I. We have three eyes. That motion passes unanimously. Mr. Clerk, is there any other items on the agenda today? Madam Chair, that concludes our business. Thank you. The meeting is adjourned.